You know, I'm really upset. I uh, tried testing out a new software and it just was horrible, horrible, horrible software. I was trying to do a video. Um, welcome to the Jeff show. I've done the Jeff show in the past. Um, I guess, you know, I'm, I don't want to compartmentalize too much stuff. So the Jeff show is really a, a blanket for, for everything. You know, the evil live streaming shows about the misfits and pizza punk is about pizza. It's about food, pizza, mostly pop culture, like as it relates to music and, and musicians and, you know, touring and all that stuff. So that's like the music side of things. And then the Jeff show is everything else, right? Everything else can fall over, uh, fall under the Jeff show. Jeff who reads Wikipedia is about, you know, reading Wikipedia, interesting Wikipedia stuff. So this is where, this is my other outlet. This is another outlet that we'll just, we'll, we'll roll with. We'll, uh, we'll use this as our outlet. Um, so today, um, after failing miserably, crashing and burning to talk about George Lucas and the Star Wars sequel trilogy, which we'll do again on another day. I'll, I just can't I can't redo that all over again. I would feel feels phony to sort of retread the same thing. Uh, so today I'm going to talk about a topic. Uh, I recently had Eric Davidson on Pizza Punk. He's the guy from New Bomb Turks. Great guy. Front man for New Bomb Turks. And he inspired this video by making mention of we were talking about um, Quentin Tarantino on on a, on a thread on Facebook. And um, man, it just like kind of blew me away when he was he he brought up he wanted he said he said something that was really apropos for Quentin Tarantino. I want to see him do something outside of his 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 uh wheelhouse or outside of his comfort zone outside of his box and he suggested a monster movie and while i would love to see quentin tarantino do a monster movie I, it led me to start thinking what films what five movies would i like to see quentin tarantino remake um what would be five really interesting sort of um uh you know uh things done through his prism his his way because you know quentin tarantino is a he's a cultural dj no that's not the right way to oh no i spoiled it damn it i hope you didn't see that first one it's frankenstein all right we'll get there in a second i guess frankenstein's the first one we're going to talk about um but you know quentin tarantino is a he's already he's a pop culture dj with his films he takes little bits of this and little bits of this and little bits of this and he sort of throws it all into a blender and he makes something that's, you know, in a way he does for film what Sublime did for music. I know there's, you know, it's kind of cringy to like Sublime these days, but uh, I've always been a big fan and ad admirer of Sublime, you know, and what's funny, what's shocking about Sublime is you, you realize just how many songs were technically not theirs, you know, they, that they covered. But anytime Sublime covered a song, even though they didn't think up the song, they completely and utterly make it theirs. They they change around lyrics. They change uh, the arrangements. You know, they go from this song into this song back into this song. You know, they do all sorts of stuff. They sample stuff. They they really make it a tapestry of everything that they love and infuse it into that song to make it uh, to give it their signature, you know, friggin' flavor. Uh, utterly making anything that they touch sublime. And I like to think that Quentin Tarantino does the same thing with films. He did it with Reservoir Dogs is the taking of poem one, two, three, and uh, oh, what else is it? It's a couple other things. Um, 
you know, with the names, you know, Mr. Orange, Mr. Mr. White, Mr. Blue. That's all from taking Pelham one, two, three. Straight up, straight up rip that off. Same thing with Kill Bill is basically Lady Snowblood. It's this uh, revenge, this this uh, revenge film from Japan. You can watch it on Criterion. Um, and that's what he does, man. He he takes something. Inglorious Bastards is actually that's the name of a movie from the seventies. The story is relatively different, but he literally was like, "I'm going to remake Inglorious Bastards and change the entire plot, but call it Inglorious Bastards," and sort of try and keep it something, you know, uh, like sort of like uh, uh, carry on in the tradition of of what it is. He does. They did Grindhouse. You know, he did he did uh, Death Proof. Death Proof is a smattering of, of, of car films. And so I would like to see, uh, so instead of, instead of just getting these original, original films from Quentin Tarantino, which I love, I wish Quentin Tarantino would never stop making films. They're like, he says he's going to stop after his next one, which is 10. Um, a, a Quentin Tarantino film is a pop culture event, a milestone when a new Tarantino film comes out for all the cinema files to, to pop out of the woodwork and talk about the new tarantino film you know i mean he was like first i mean it, it was real it's currency it, back in the 90s it was like he was like the current the currency of cool you know and it wasn't just him there were other guys that were doing stuff that was similar kevin smith for example is one of those guys who was doing something similar who has always cited that he was inspired by quentin tarantino um to do to, to write pop culture into his scripts um so it's like it's like Quentin Tarantino was already kind of remaking films in his original work in that sort of way, in the same way that, you know, Sublime is just redoing songs in that kind of way. Um, and uh, it's, it's, uh, but this is different. This is different because when you, here's the thing, if he's remaking a film, he needs to, straight up follow a template that's already there it's already it's already he has to it's not about remaining faithful per se because you know the, i think the best remakes frankly are re-envisionings you know and frankly i think the best remakes are remakes of films that aren't that great i think the problem with remakes and why remakes get such a bad um shot or a bad rap is because people are trying to remake good movies don't remake good films OK, don't do it. Don't remake a good movie. Remake a bad movie with a good idea. There are so many bad films that have really, really good concepts. that are just not executed properly for whatever reason. And it's not like to slight the filmmaker or the actor or the producer or the director or the editor or whoever of those of those bad movies. But it's just like it's like, whoa, that's a great idea. I'd love to see that idea in the hands of this person, you know. And so ultimately, when it comes to remakes, that should really be the golden rule. Remake something that's bad, but has a great idea and give it to a filmmaker to do so. However, that's not what we're doing today either, okay? Um, in an incomplete contradiction of that, we're going to take, I want to see, I want to imagine, or we're going to look at good films, incredible films, cult films, films with great reputations and see what what would Quentin Tarantino or imagine what Quentin Tarantino would do with them. And I'm not going to dive into every single one of them and, you know, try and think of exactly how he would do them. But I guess what I'm trying to say is these are five films that I would like to see Quentin Tarantino's take on these films. And the first one 
that I already accidentally revealed was Frankenstein. Holy crap. Could you imagine Quentin Tarantino's Frankenstein? What would that look like? Who would play Frankenstein? Frankenstein's monster. I would imagine uh, Christopher Christopher Waltz, I think his name is. Who's that guy that's in... Uh, who's in he's in all the quentin tarantino films i gotta look him up now um what was the last one hateful eight he was in hateful eight he played the um no no not he wasn't in hateful eight was he in hateful eight i don't think he was actually my lord am i out of it no he was in the one before hateful eight which was django django unchained he was his name is Christoph Waltz is who I was trying to say. Christoph Waltz. I would imagine Christoph, because Quentin Tarantino works with the same couple of actors. So we're going to try and stay. Let's stay in that. The same couple of actors have to be used, have to be cast in these roles because Quentin Tarantino likes to work with certain people. So Christoph Waltz would not play the monster, but would definitely, I could totally see him as Victor Frankenstein, right? So you get him as Victor Frankenstein. And then, um, because, okay, okay. And then because of, man, you know, I think I would do a reteaming. I know this sounds really crazy, but I would, I think it would be Christoph Waltz and freaking Jamie Foxx again, reunited. Because I would imagine that Quentin Tarantino and his love of black exploitation films and, and Grindhouse and 70s sort of stuff, he would want to, he would want to riff on Frankenstein in a way where he was paying op, uh, homage to maybe Blackenstein, which was a black exploitation telling of Frankenstein in the seventies. So maybe he would, his Frankenstein would be black. And I would like to think that it would be Samuel L. Jackson, but I think maybe he would go with someone like, I want to say, okay. So first off, it would probably be Samuel L. Jackson as, as Frankenstein himself. Could you imagine a Frankenstein's monster, Samuel L. Jackson, Oh, mother effer. It would be crazy. It would absolutely be crazy. Um, a black Frankenstein created by a white man. That would be, okay, so there's like a lot. There would be a lot of red tape, a lot of interesting sort of layers to that too, I think. Uh, so basically, okay, wow, I'm, this is starting to really take shape in my mind. So basically, it's like uh, sort of using Frankenstein or using Django Unchained as a template for Frankenstein. Whoa, that would be crazy. So maybe Christoph Waltz wouldn't play Frank and Victor Frankenstein. Maybe it would actually be Leonardo DiCaprio. And then you have Jamie Foxx as, or, or Samuel Jackson as Frankenstein's monster. Interesting. And, that, and, and what that would, what that would look like. And of course the bride of Frankenstein would be um, a white woman and you would get that same sort of, so it's like this, it's like this cultural it's like this, um, not cultural, what, what's the word? It's like a sociopolitical commentary on what used to happen to African-American men in this country where they would, um, you know, they, they would always be, it was the same thing, every riot that ever happened, including the Tulsa riot uh, of 1921, Black Wall Street, where, um, you know, just what, what happened is a, a, a white woman would accuse a, 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 an African-American gentleman of, whatever and there would be riots and a, a lot of people would die black people would die um so maybe in this telling of frankenstein you would have uh, a black frankenstein and the bride of frankenstein or frankenstein's affection frankenstein's monster's affection would be in fact um 
uh, uh, the white wife or something of Victor Frankenstein to create this love triangle. I could totally see Quentin Tarantino doing something crazy with that because he does, you know, kind of he goes to the edge with some of that stuff. And frankly, I found I find the message of Django to be rather terrible. The the message, the and I'm not going to talk about it here on YouTube. It's too much for YouTube, but I think the message is actually a very negative message. The way that Jamie Foxx's character is ultimately utilized in that movie is, is I don't know, it just, the, the moment, and the moment really comes down to when he has the opportunity to save um, a fellow slave and he chooses not to. And for me, that wrote the entire character for the rest of the, the story. I was like, he's, this person is not, this is terrible. This is a terrible movie. Um, I don't know why it was just like, if you're going to make a movie about these these very heavy topics you have to you can't do that you can't uh, just yeah it's very frustrating quentin tarantino as much as i love quentin tarantino he also frustrates me greatly greatly frustrates me with um with some of the things that he does so so that's frankenstein that's 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 number one they're in no particular order but i'm just putting that as number one um our next movie we're gonna look at boom mad max oh mama could you imagine a Mad Max film done by Quentin Tarantino? It would be great. It would be great, man. I, I'm all I am all about this, man. Um, who would play Mad Max? It would okay. First of all, Quentin Tarantino's Mad Max would be first of all, Quentin Tarantino would do it would be the perfect fusion of a western and a 70s car chase film. So everything that he was doing in death, uh in death proof. And some of the stuff he's doing in Hateful Eight and Django. Um, and, of course, it would also have elements of Kill Bill because of the revenge aspect. So you get all this stuff. You get all that he can. Quentin Tarantino can do all of this stuff really, really well. And uh, I just think he would crush it. He would crush a Mad Max film. Um, you would get. Yeah. So it's like the lone, the, the man with no name wandering in the in the wasteland. Uh, and and Max would be older. He would not be cast younger like they went with, uh, um, what's his name? Freaking uh, Tom Hardy. It wouldn't be Tom Hardy. It would be some older guy. Let's let's put a pin on that for a second. So I try to think of who who that old guy would be to talk about some other aspects. I It would be a re, I guess it would be a rehashing. So he's not, so we would go back to the first Mad Max. It wouldn't be full on post-apocalypse yet. It would be, we're getting there. We're, we're at the cusp. It's right before the, the great war that destroys civilization. And Max is on the force, you know, because the original story of Mad Max is not Max is not um, uh, Max's uh, freaking civilization still exists in the first Mad Max film. You know, um, he's on he's part of a special uh, force uh, of policemen that are that are the last. They're like the last, and you know, it's funny. They didn't get to shoot so much. There's like 15% of the movie that was not shot, the original Mad Max. So there's like a lot of scenes missing in the original Mad Max, despite how much everybody loves Mad Max. It's missing some important stuff. And um, so you see Max is like the last line of defense against these, these marauding gangs that are starting to form these Viking like gangs that are raping and pillaging and just doing all this crazy stuff. Uh, to any town that they that they come across, they're just swallowing things up. The the dregs of society, the outlaws, they form these biker gangs, these vicious biker gangs, and the government puts together this team of policemen, hardened policemen that you know they live in in leather, that they're leather war, leathered warriors that are out on the front lines committing acts. I mean, you'd have to have 
this Mad Max would have uh, the original Mad Max was sort of violent or implied a lot of violence, but this one would be extra ultra violent. And it would have, um, I would like to think that it has the violence of a Paul Verhoeven film, like, uh, like RoboCop. It would have RoboCop violence in this Mad Max directed by Quentin Tarantino. And uh, Max's family would be aged up a little bit. Max would have a, he wouldn't have a baby son. He would have a, a, a 15 year old boy, right? Like he would be, he's an older guy who's still on the force, who is, he's two. And in the original story, Max is 25, right? He's got a brand new like toddler, one year old. And he's got his wife, Jesse. And uh, Max is, is one incident away from becoming what he calls a terminal psychotic. Right. So in this version, Quentin Tarantino's version, Max is, yeah, Max's hairline triggered like his his brass badge. They call it the bronze. His bronze badge is the only thing that's really separating him from being as 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 cruel and sadistic to these marauding gangs as the, as the marauding gangs are to to civilians. Um, and it just follows the same classic beats uh and it follows the, the same beats of revenge, just done Quentin Tarantino style. And I'm sure that Quentin Tarantino would do something to subvert the original story. Because uh, Quentin Tarantino, sometimes he can do that. Sometimes he subverts expectations a little bit and uh, does something that you're not expecting. A great example would be, once again, Django Unchained, where they kill the villain. Like, the movie has another 45, 50 minutes and they kill the main villain. And that's what probably the one of the that's another big problem. Besides the pro problems of Jamie Foxx's character, you have you have this you have this villain. So it's like when Quentin Tarantino doesn't have a template to follow, he just sort of he can do whatever he wants. You know, he's he's doesn't have any he he's surrounded by yes men. There's no one that's gonna tell Quentin Tarantino no. So if Quentin Tarantino wants to kill his main baddie, you know, 50 minutes with 50 minutes movie left, he's gonna do it. But with a remake that has to kind of follow the beats of the original film. Perhaps Quentin Tarantino will, will instead focus on a more traditional structure while throwing us the occasional monkey wrench, you know, that subverts all the expectations of what we're expecting to be seen. So you get the toe cutter, the toe cutter would have these long waxing philosophical conversations who would play the toe cutter and who would play max. Uh, we got to cast these two roles before we move on. I'm trying to think uh, for toe cutter. Um, geez, geez, geez. Who's someone who's just like uh, a silver tongue devil that just constantly, if it comes back to me, it comes back to me. Um, for Max, who's gonna play Max? He's got to be old, probably like 45 years old. You know, it would be interesting. I know it sounds kind of this is really okay. This is crazy casting. This is crazy casting. He's a goofball, he is never does any roles like this. Um, David Arquette, David Arquette. What he's like almost 50 years old. David Arquette is Mad Max doing it, playing it dead serious. He's like in that wrestling shape. He's he you can he's got that silver streak in his hair. Um, so he's that perfect, like hard lined, like hardwired cop who uh has seen too much and is is one minute away from snapping. He's someone I would cast in that role. Who's calling me? That's a weird phone call. I'll get back to them in a second. Um, who else would I cast as Mad Max? We're trying to think of this. Anybody want to leave comments below? Please do, please. Um, for the toe cutter, silver tongued devil, who is a, a villain that was just so delicious as a villain? Maybe Alec Baldwin. Oh, okay. Alec Baldwin would be a good toe cutter. 
you know, like just uh, just venom, venom in his voice as he uh, just like cuts through you with a with a devilish stare. He would be really great as uh, the toe cutter. Um, oh my god, this is terrible because I can't think of anybody, and I don't want to like just be like, mm, um, um, um. Who else could play Max? Who else could play Max? We had Mel Gibson. We had Tom Hardy. Who who is like uh somewhere on on that level i you know a long time ago i would have said russell crowe but that's too traditional we want to go outside of the australian box we want someone who is who's up there in age but john ham oh john ham would be a great mad max would he work with tarantino i don't know i like john ham a lot that would be an interesting and then all right to flip it toe cutter richard break richard break or richard breaker Who's the guy in um all those let's see here who's the guy in um rob zombies 31 uh 21 i meant to say 31 let's see 31 film richard brake i think his name is let's see if we could find him richard brake yeah this dude all right this guy is the dude this guy would play the toe cutter okay so you have this guy versus any of those other dudes I said before. Guy is he's a great character actor. He's sort of in a bunch of stuff. He's skinnier than the toe cutter. He's got that he he you know he could he could go real psycho. He could be a real psycho. He would be perfect for um toe cutter. Frankly, you could put Bill Mosley in his gang too, man. That would be real. That would be something else. I I would dig that. I would dig that. Richard Brake. All right, so we're going to go Richard Brake. What of course, freaking Nicolas Cage. Oh, Nicolas Cage is Mad Max, dude. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, this works. Imagine a Nicolas Cage that looks like that right there playing Mad Max. He's got a 15-year-old son, 16-year-old son. He's seen a lot of crazy stuff. Maybe he has the beard. Maybe he doesn't. Um, he goes up against Richard Brake. You know, he's one step away from being terminal psych psychotic. Look at that. There's your Mad Max right there. I love it. I love it. Okay. All right. I, I feel I feel satisfied now. It was really bothering me that um that, that wasn't working. Okay, next film. Scream, baby. Scream. Going back to the uh Miramax family. I would love to see Quentin Tarantino scream. That would be fascinating to me. Now, here's the thing: Scream is unre is unremakeable. You can't remake Scream. You can remake Mad Max. The first Mad Max is an imperfect film, no matter how much I love it. And I love Mad Max. Mad Max is the reason why I wear a leather jacket. It's not the Ramones. I wear my leather. My leather heritage comes from Mad Max, okay? Um, but but I would love to see that movie remade. It just needs, it needs more. And I'm not talking about sequels. I just want to see the original redone. Um, and all the stuff we mentioned would work. Uh, okay, for, so for Scream. So in for Scream, I don't, I guess we would take it out of the high school, high school set would go to, but they've already done college. See, this is interesting. How do you do a screen? I guess it would have to be high school. Um, the mask would have to be different. It couldn't be the classic ghost face as much as we love, as much as I love ghost face, you have to change up the mask and maybe you'd have to change up the killing implement. It wouldn't be a hunter knife. It would have to be uh, something else that hasn't been done or, Oh, maybe it's a sword what yeah 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 okay so playing on the kill bill theme it's a it's a japanese katana sword that that ghost face uses 
and Ghostface, even though, you know, it didn't work when they tried to do, see, they had the, that was the scream from the television show. This didn't work for me. I, I really hated that mask. Part of what makes Scream Scream is the iconic Ghostface mask. However, because um, we're going with the Quentin Tarantino route and Quentin Tarantino is all about like Easter eggs and, and pop culture and stuff. How about this? Casper the Ghost mask, right? Look at that. So in my in in my version of Quentin Tarantino's Scream, he wears a Casper the Ghost mask. Ooh, I think that would work really well. I think that would work really well. And then he uses a, a, a katana to slice and dice his teenagers. Now, here's the thing. How do you recast Scream? You can't. Nev Campbell is Cindy Prescott for all time. My forever love, my 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 one and only, uh, outside of my wife. I love you, honey. You're my forever love. But how do you how do you go beyond? How do you go beyond like freaking uh, Nev Campbell in 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 a role like Scream? So I'm going with somebody new who is actually in the new Scream movie. Jenna Ortega. This girl caught my eye. She would be the new Sydney Prescott. And I don't know what she's going to be in the actual, the new Scream. But she has that same girl next door. She has that girl next door vibe. Same, very similar to um, uh, Nev Campbell, where she is like, you know, I don't know. She's just like the perfect girl next door. Like energy, aura. That for, for the final girl, for the heroine that would um, do it. And, um, you know, I want to say now here's now here's how I would flip it. How would Quentin Tarantino flip the the giallo? First of all, it would definitely be a giallo film. It would be amped up giallo. Right. It wouldn't just be sorry. I have to trim my nose hairs right above my my mustache hair. It makes my my nose itch. OK, so it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be straight up. uh uh, like the original scream would obviously have to be like some sort of giallo uh giallo-esque because here's the thing the 90s slasher the key to the 90s slasher is in fact um it's it's it has to be a whodunit it's one part scooby-doo it's one part giallo and it's one part 80s slasher that's what makes the 90s and has to star you know up and coming hot teen actors like jenny ortega She's like the hottest thing right now since she was in you. She's in the babysitters, the babysitter sequel. She's great. She's a badass heroine in the babysitter sequel. She's so good. She's so good. That's when I saw her. I was like, oh my God, this girl is like the next thing. Um, and she's in the new scream movie. And I hope she doesn't get killed. I hope she, she makes it to the end. Cause I think she's great. She should be in the rest of the trilogy because they're going to do a new trilogy. So in Quentin Tarantino's scream, you have you have Jenny Ortega as the main girl. You're trying to figure out who Ghostface is, but Ghostface is a Casper mask. And the twist at the end, brrr, drum roll, is the original idea for Kevin Williamson's new trilogy. So originally, in Scream 4, Sidney Prescott's supposed to die, which makes me so mad. I'm so glad that it didn't work. Well, it doesn't really matter to me because here's the thing. Scream, the original Scream trilogy works as works as a trilogy you never need to go past scream three it ends perfectly it's the perfect arc the the story is not about ghostface the story is not about murders the story is about a final girl 
who makes it to the end of every movie, who evolves with every movie, and who finally can let go. She can let the door remain open as she goes to watch a, a movie, possibly a scary movie, with her friends. And that's how Scream 3 ends. And so no matter how much you hate on Scream 3 or Scream 2, the fact that the character has that arc and gets to that end makes perfect sense. And the other thing about Scream, the other thing about Sydney Prescott, in the second one, she's in a play. And I love this. It's one of my favorite scenes in, in the entire Scream trilogy. She's in a play called Cassandra. And it's like based on this classic Greek tragedy of Cassandra, who was cursed. She had a curse. And the curse was she would always be able to foretell the truth. She could foresee the future. But when she tell, told people, no one would believe her. And so what would happen, and so how that, it, it parallels, and she stars as Cassandra in the movie, and David Warner, the excellent David Warner, has a wonderful scene with Nev Campbell as the drama teacher, convincing Sydney that she is a warrior, that she is a fighter, that she has to keep moving on and, and pressing on and whatnot. Um, and he tells her, uh, you know, he, he asks her to repeat these words back because she doesn't want to, she wants to drop out of the play because Ghostface is slicing and dicing again. And, um, and ultimately, it parallels to the tragedy of Cassandra in that anybody who surrounds Sydney dies, right? Anybody who surrounds Sydney dies. Um, her her ultimate curse is that she will tell, if you get too close to me, you're going to get hurt. And she says that to Derek, her boyfriend. She says, Derek, you got to stay away from me because anybody who gets close to me gets hurt. And of course, Derek doesn't listen. And Derek dies as a result, her one chance of happiness. And that's the other part of Sydney's character is that in order for Sydney to live, everybody else has to die. So she goes through life with everybody around her dying. And by the time we get to Scream 3, she's locked herself up from the world. She's living under an assumed name and carries a gun as she should and yada, yada, yada. And um, it's, it just, it's perfect. So the fact that Scream 4 didn't work out for Kevin Williamson or didn't work out for Wes Craven or whoever, or, or, or the Weinstein company or dimension or whoever was, was putting that together. I'm happy about that because here's what originally was supposed to happen. You know, they pulled Sydney back into action, which just pisses me off to begin with. She, she had her happily ever after in scream three, leave her alone, leave Sydney Prescott alone, get someone else, do something new, involve Dewey, let Sydney rest. Right. Um, they bring Sydney back. It turns out Jill, her cousin, is the killer. So stupid. I mean, it kind of works. It kind of works. Jill's motives kind of work. Jill successfully kills Sydney Prescott and becomes the new final girl, except she's also the killer. And then that trilogy was supposed to be Dewey on suspecting that Jill was the person who killed Sydney and Dewey becomes the center. It was a very interesting idea that would not have worked for that. I don't know. I'm, I'm glad it didn't work out. However, the interesting is too idea is too awesome to leave off the table. And so in my ideal scream remake with, with Quentin Tarantino, he takes that idea for a 21st century slasher and redoes where Sydney Prescott is also the killer. Sydney is the final girl in the Giallo whodunit setting, just like the original Scream. The only reveal at the end is that Sydney was the one who was orchestrating it the whole time for the exact motives that Jill was. And she is just wants to be famous and in this world of social media and blah, 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 blah. And she, she's the one that has the, she, it turns out that the boyfriend, it's in a complete reversal. The boyfriend who, who was framed for the, 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 the uh, Billy, Billy Loomis was framed. 
and the whole time Sydney doesn't trust him and Sydney's just doing a, a whole thing. So it's a, it's a combination of both. And I love what they did. I would never want to tread on what, on the work that, that they did with Billy Loomis because Billy Loomis is one of the most twisted sin, uh, uh, slashers in all of history. In my opinion, the stuff that he does, the, the bad vibes in Juju that he projects onto his girlfriend based on what her mother did. It's so twisted. When you think about all the stuff that happens to Sydney in Scream, it's just, it's insane. But for the sake of doing something different um, and trying to do something that has not been done before, because all that stuff has already been done. For, so for the sake of doing something that has not been done before, Sydney is the killer. And we find that out at the very end of the first Scream in this remake, that she's the one that kills. And she gets away with it because Quentin Tarantino would totally have her get away with it. And um, she would go on to, and so would John Waters. If John Waters was doing it, Sidney Prescott would get away with it. So that would be my take. Samurai Sword. And again, you could go into all sorts of stuff with like how, you know, the samurai, there'd just be so much reference to everything. There'd be a reference to every slasher film you can imagine in, in, in Quentin Tarantino's version of that. And then who would you get to play the, the kids? I don't know, but who would you get to play to the adults? Hmm, that's more interesting. So, John Travolta would play the principal would, would be Henry Winkler would be played by John Travolta. Um, Uma Thurman. Who would Uma Thurman be? I don't know. Damn. Who would be the opening kill too? Uh, the, the Drew Barrymore, Drew Barrymore would probably be in. He'd bring back Drew Barrymore, right? Drew Barrymore. Maybe she would play the, I don't know. That's all right. That's as, that's as far as I could get with the stream. Here's the thing. Some of this stuff is on the fly. I'm thinking this as we're, as I'm doing it. So I don't want to, again, don't want to leave you with any dead air. So we're going to, we're going to move on. So my next film is actually uh, what started this whole conversation in the first place. It's a film called suddenly starring Frank Sinatra from 1956 uh, Sinatra as a savage sensation, hungry killer. Um, it's, this is to me, this is an example of a film and what's wrong with it? Going back to what I originally said, we make films that are not bad, but not perfect. You know, don't remake perfect films. Perfect films are perfect films. They don't need to be remade. Remake a film that is flawed with a really good idea. This is a film that's flawed. What makes it flawed? It's old. And there's nothing wrong with older films, but it's a film that should be updated. That's what should spurn the remake because everything that's happening in 1956 in this film is kind of what, would be very interesting with everything that's happening today. And it's basically Frank Sinatra plays a hitman who takes uh, uh, this. There's a woman, a grandfather who's a, who's a veteran uh, of world war one and, uh, and a grandson and, and Sinatra plays a gangster who's been paid mysteriously to kill the president, him and his, his goons. They, they take the, the house hostage. It's a home invasion thriller. Um, and the reason why they invade this home in particular is that from this vantage point, as you can see here, this is a scene still from the, the film, as you can see here, the window, uh, the window view from this house on a hill has the perfect trajectory to the train station where the president happens to be making a secret impromptu stop off in the town of Suddenly. And it's the perfect, they have a window of five minutes to assassinate the president. And uh, it's just great. It it could it it's one location. It could work as a play. Imagine the all everything that's great about Reservoir Dogs, but done 
with this plot instead. And it just, it just works. And there's a Mexican standoff at the end, which is, you know, everybody's got guns pointed at each other. See, that's the view of the station right there. And he's got a, he's got a clear shot. Would that work in 2020 directed by Quentin Tarantino? I'm not sure, but I feel like it would make for such an interesting film. Even if they just updated it, let's say that it took place in the eighties or the seventies instead of the fifties. It just needs a modern, it needs a modern director needs to be helming this to him. See, they, they put the table in front of the window and then they bolt the gun down and he's just, it's just, it's just Frank Sinatra just chewing the scenery just going on and on about how he needs to kill the president. And who would you get now? Who would you get to play everybody? Uh, so once again, I think we would have Samuel L. Jackson. All right. So we will, let's invert the family. It would not be a white family. It would be a black family. Samuel L. Jackson would play the grandfather. Uh, you know, Samuel Jackson's pushing 80 now. So it's like he played the grandfather um, doing, and he would just have, Oh God, they would give such great dialogue to Samuel L. Jackson. And then who would you get for the for the for the Frank Sinatra role? I don't know. Again, see, this is the problem. I'm gonna all these answers are gonna come to me after all the cast. The casting requires someone else. I should have had someone else to bounce some of these ideas off of for casting uh, to figure out who the perfect foil would be for uh, against Samuel L. Jackson. The kid could be anybody. And then you have the sheriff. You have the the cop. The cop guy. Um, maybe the cop would be played by geez. Oh, this is gonna kill me. Okay, so right off the bat, you'd have Leo. Leo Leonardo DiCaprio would play Frank Frank Sinatra's role. Because Frank, because Leo would just make a meal out of this this character, this guy who is got all sorts of backstory and he's going, he gets so personal with these people who he's taken hostage. It's just it's you know, it's borderline, it's almost complete, it's so over the top, but I could see. I could totally see um, Leonardo DiCaprio in that role. And then there's the, the mother. I don't know who, who the mother would play. See, these the, there's the three gangsters coming to the door. And you could get you could get some really interesting bit players for these two parts. Maybe you'd have uh, Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi would play the cop. Okay, so you have Steve Buscemi as the cop. There you go. There you go. Steve Buscemi plays the cop against Leonardo DiCaprio. Steve Buscemi would be a little bit older for that role, but because um, the guy's a little younger. He's supposed to be the love interest of the mom. But I'd say, I, I'm, I'm going to let it ride with Steve Buscemi. So that's that's suddenly. So here, okay. So we have one more film. And the last film I would want to see Quentin Tarantino remake. Something completely out of his wheelhouse. Something so unfamiliar uh, to Quentin Tarantino. A friggin' romantic comedy by Kevin Smith. Chasing Mother Effin' Amy. Hell yeah. Let's see Quentin Tarantino go in and do this film. And again... Because again, I just feel like Quentin Tarantino would invert, would invert everything. It wouldn't be an all-white cast; it would be an all-black cast directed by Quentin Tarantino. That's I would imagine him doing that love triangle. It would take place, definitely would take place. Um, actually, you know, I'm gonna all right. I'm gonna throw a monkey wrench in this. I'm going to give Quentin Tarantino's chasing Amy to Spike Lee. I can't believe I'm doing this because I, because I'm saying all the stuff that Spike Lee would do. This is not, I mean, Quentin Tarantino will probably do it too, but Spike Lee would do it better. Spike Lee's a Spike Lee joint chasing Amy, a Spike Lee joint where, where Spike Lee brings this, this love triangle into the, the projects of, of Brook somewhere in Brooklyn projects of the Bronx. I don't know, somewhere, somewhere inner city, urban, all black cast, um, 
just going through the motions of the, the beats of, of chasing Amy. So, wow, I just actually took one away. And then all of a sudden, the, 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 the gay and lesbian politics take a real right turn um, in, in those communities. It's a completely different sort of um, chemistry with those sorts of social, social politics uh, that, frankly, I'm not at, it's not my place to discuss them. And if I had a POC person of color, um, if I had someone who was black here who had who was better suited to talk about those things, I would talk about them. But I think it's not my place to discuss them. In the same way that it's kind of screwed up that you know Quentin Tarantino writes a scene in res in Pulp Fiction uh, with Samuel L. Jackson, uh, with him saying the N word a whole bunch of times in really, really kind of tasteless ways that have not aged well. Uh, so I'm not going to talk about that, but I would like to see Spike Lee do it. Spike Lee, Spike Lee's chasing Amy. Who would play everybody? I mean, you get Denzel Washington's son, who who's worked with Spike and a few other people, I think, would play the lead. And then maybe Carrie Washington as Amy. That would be pretty cool. Uh, who would play Jay and Silent Bob? Jay and Silent Bob would actually stay white, I feel like. They would stay white. They would, as a matter of fact, <laughs> I would have Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes stay the same. I would not change them. They would stay the same in, in Spike Lee's Chasing Amy. Be the, the two, you know, white boy drug dealers. That would be very interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I just feel like this is a great story. Uh, I'd love to see the inverse. Let's see the inverse of this story done, uh, done from the, the black, the black experience, you know, um, it would, it would be, it would be different. It would be interesting. And, uh, yeah, I guess you would get a lot of the, I don't know, this would, this would definitely change around a little bit. Maybe I would think, I don't know. Um, so that is, uh, so those are my, my four films, four films by Quentin Tarantino, one film by Spike Lee. Uh, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Who would you cast? So to, to end this, first of all, please subscribe if you've not subscribed already. But who would you cast in some of these roles that I mentioned? Um, leave your leave your answers in the comments. Please subscribe to this channel. There's a bunch of ways you can support this channel. Leave a comment, like the video, subscribe, all that stuff and more. Uh, I'll definitely do another Jeff show separate um but we'll, we'll change it up we're changing it up now we're doing a bunch of different stuff and uh, uh i'll leave you with that <laughs>